0: midst of a global pandemic, Jesus is still raised from the dead. We are still celebrating that he is raised from the dead, and we can do so together. Hallelujah and amen. My name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here at Resurrection City Church, and we're so glad that you're here with us. Uh, Many of you are people who would normally be worshiping with us. We also know that some of you might be, this might be your first time uh, worshiping with us, whether online or or, um, ever, and so we just want to say thank you for being here with us. Um, it's exciting that you're uh, choosing to be with us on this Easter morning. So thanks for being here. We're excited to have you. Um, like Julie said, we're gonna be doing, I'm going to be doing a normal sermon here, and then we're going to have a Q&A, so you can fill out um, in the YouTube comments or the Facebook comments, whichever platform you're watching on right now. If you have a question about anything I say, uh, go ahead and throw it in there, and if it if it fits, we'll um, I'll try to answer. I'll try to do my best to give you a good answer here for it. That's one of the fun ways about being able to engage online is we get to think of creative ways to sort of engage with each other uh, through that. So please take advantage of that if that's something that uh, you have know, a question that pops in your mind throughout the sermon. We'd love to try to answer it for you. We're talking about the resurrection today, and that's a big topic. A lot of questions around that, uh, especially maybe if this is your first time really engaging in the Easter service, or maybe you have questions about the resurrection um, would love to try to help you process through those so anyway and and also after our service is done um, we're gonna be having a coffee hour so the the link to the zoom will be posted in the comments for both videos so please jump in and, and, and join with us we realize that maybe you're not getting to see family today like you normally would and you want to just have some interaction with people and we want to try to give you a space for that so we'll be doing a little bit of a easter coffee hour Uh, after the service today, would love to see you there, even even just for a few minutes, if you wanted to pop in and say hi, that would be really great uh, for all of us, so anyway, we're going to be talking about Easter today, we're going to be talking specifically about how Easter is a sign for hope at all times, but especially in the midst of, like I said, we're in the midst of a global pandemic, I think it's okay for us to pause and reflect on the fact that this is most likely the strangest Easter you've ever encountered, and maybe the strangest one you'll have in your entire life. Uh, may, there's an air a, a, of uncertainty and fear in the air that is, that is perhaps more thick and, and present than any other Easter that you've ever lived in. Um, like I said, maybe you're not able to see family today, and that just completely changes the holiday for you. Uh, maybe you just lost a job. Maybe this is your first Easter unemployed. Um, maybe a loved one of yours is sick, or maybe you're worried that a loved one of yours is going to be sick. Uh, Or maybe you're just an extrovert and you're going crazy because of all of this. I remember a few years ago we had a a squirrel get into our house, actually, and it was in for a few days. We couldn't find it exactly where it was. But when we would come back home, we'd find scratch marks on the windows because apparently squirrels want to get out of your house as badly as you want them out of your house. They just can't figure out how to get out. I imagine that maybe if you're extroverted enough, you have scratch marks on your windows too. Uh, So anyway... The the, the struggle is real, right? I'm I'm not making light of it. I know that this is a really hard time. And so I want to pay attention to that. And I want to kind of tailor the Easter message towards that as much as I can today because it's such a strange one. And so one of the great things about the Bible, which is what we talk about every Sunday morning uh, when, we, when we gather together, we put ourselves under the, uh, the authority and the inspiration of God's Word. One of the great things about the Bible is it's not just a list of rules or things to believe. It's, it's a, it communicates its revelation through accounts, through situations, through stories a, that we can find resonance with in our lives. And, and one of the clearest ways that we can find that is when we read the letters of someone like the Apostle Paul. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of dive into a situation that the the Apostle Paul writes about in one of his letters, the letter to the Thessalonians, uh, what we call 1 Thessalonians in our Bible. And we're going to just kind of notice some of the parallels between the two, and we're going to talk about how resurrection, how the Easter story kind of forms the hope in the situation that the people in Thessalonica feel. Um, so, uh, today, if you want to turn your Bible to 1 Thessalonians 4, that's where we'll be. I want to give a little background, though, to it. Kind of help you understand where the story is at today. So, the Apostle Paul, he started a church in this bustling capital city in the province of Macedonia. Kind of like having, uh, kind of like being in St. Paul, the capital city of our state. Uh, and, and, and what happens is through a series of circumstances, kind of kind of crazy ones, Paul gets ripped away from this group of people that, that he, this church family that he has, he has started, he's brought together. And, and, and he actually, he almost talks about it like they're orphaned now. Like, you, you know, this, this kind of strong language for having their relationship ripped apart through circumstance. Um, and, and so these people are kind of left to fend for themselves. They're left to figure things out on their own. Um, and, and what happens is Paul gets an update from a ministry associate of his named Timothy. And that's kind of the condition for him writing the letter. And he finds out that things were staying strong in the midst of adversity and, and pain and hardship uh, for the Thessalonians. But there were some cracks showing in the fortitude. Now I think we can, you know, as I kind of lay that out, you can maybe uh, feel some resonance in that story as well. We, we feel perhaps ripped apart from our loved ones as well. Uh, We we feel this sense of, just like Paul didn't know when he would get to go back to to visit this church again. It's something he talks about in the letter. is is wanting to go back and see them, but not knowing when he can, um, saying that the way is blocked to him. We feel that too. We don't know when the circumstance is going to change when we can be together with our loved ones. Um, you know, th- things may not be that bad here in Minnesota yet, and we don't know how bad they will get, but we, we do see how bad they are in other places, and that gives us a sense of maybe fear and uncertainty of knowing what it could look like here potentially. So so we feel these kind of competing things, and all the while we're just stuck in a limbo, right? We, we don't know what's going to take place to change the circumstance or when it's going to change, and um, we don't know if the circumstance is going to get worse or get better when it does change, and so um, and so Paul tells the people of Thessalonica of several things throughout the letter to comfort them. He says that he gives their suffering and their hardship meaning. He kind of puts it in the context of like a story about what is taking place. Um, he tells them he cares for them, that he's trying to come to see them. He wants the circumstance to change. He's waiting for it to change. As soon as it does, he wants to be with them. Um, he says that there is for sure evil at work in the midst of this, trying to twist the situation towards... It's, it's ends, but God is also in the, in the midst of it as well, and He will continue to be so. Uh, he says that there will be justice that will happen for those who have mistreated the Thessalonians, That some people that were kind of working behind the scenes to create the separation between them. Paul says that there will be justice for that. God will do something about that. But one thing we do know from the letter, and this actually forms one of the main parts of the letter of for Thessalonians. If you've read it before, maybe this is the main thing you, you take away from it, is that uh that we know the Thessalonians are thinking about the future at this time. And they asked Paul about it specifically through Timothy. And, and I, I you know, because of their immediate uncertainty, because of them not knowing what's going on, I think that it caused them naturally to wonder, uh, well, what's happening? What's what's God's plan for the future? What's the design to all of this? And and I think I think that like um, we 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 should look there too. I think the Thessalonians are on to something by by not just asking about their immediate future and their immediate situation, but wondering where, what is God's purpose in this? Where is all of this headed in the big picture? How does God have control over the situation, not just in the present, but in towards what he's, he's bringing about as his ultimate goal and his ultimate purpose? They're wondering about that. And I love that that's their impulse. I think that we should be there too. We can be tempted to think about what's going on in the moment and just thinking in terms of days and weeks and months only where, what we need to remind ourselves that God is working at a much bigger level and bringing things toward, everything together in a certain design. All right? And that's what they're asking about. And, and Paul's answer to them is the Easter story. He says, if you want to know what God is up to, look back, and then you can look forward. Because once you look back, it will give you a vision for what it will look like as you go forward. Because the when you look back, you see a sign of what God has done, and that sign points towards what God is going to do in the future. It points towards his design in the moment. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're, we're going to have that as our reflection as well. So first of all, let me just read to you what, what Paul actually does say when he brings up the, the Easter story in response to the Thessalonians question. So 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul, Paul says to them, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So let's focus on that last phrase he uses there. Grieve like those who have no hope. What is he referring to? Well, we know that views of of death and the the afterlife in the ancient world, they're not uniform. Not everyone believes the same thing, but they are uniformly bleak. There is not a happy looking forward to death and the afterlife in the ancient world. Homer, you guys know Homer, the odyssey he's a, he's a very fa- important thinker and writer in that time that kind of shapes how people think. When he writes about the afterlife, he says that those who die essentially become uh, witless gibbering spirits. there's no uh, the, the, the death is not the answer to anything. It's just a worse off situation. It's a place that you are not happy to go uh, to spend time in so you want to like worry about what's taking place now. And, and the, in, in, this, in a play called Humidities, the god Apollo, he, he's, he's standing at the, uh, in the court of the Areopagus. It's this, it's this high court in ancient Athens. And he declares that because there is no justice in the afterlife, that's why a, a building like the Areopagus matters so much because justice has to take place now. And so it matters that we do justice in the moment because there's no justice to look forward to whatsoever. And so I think the the grief that Paul is talking about here is a hopelessness that justice and fulfillment in life must take place now because you're not going to get it in the afterlife. You don't have anything to look forward to. And so you need to make sure everything uh, everything finds impact in the moment, in now. It means you must live a completely fulfilled life right now. Now, we live in a world that is, I think, effectively like that pagan one, that ancient pagan one. So, yes, most Americans believe in an afterlife. Seven out of ten Americans believe in heaven. Six out of ten Americans uh, believe in hell. It's a fairly common view. But I think we effectively live in a world where we expect that everything that really matters needs to take place uh, here and now. Justice has to come primarily from us. We have to work our hardest to live Fulfilled lives in the here and now. And what it does is it overweights everything that we do in the moment. It puts all this pressure on us and our actions now to make sure we have the lasting impact. Because we don't feel like that's, that can happen in the future. And you have to fulfill whatever you think your life was meant for before you die. And if you mess up, you li- have lived a wasted life. I think that's our view. I think that's how we, we commonly live our lives. And so think about all that goes wrong in life. I think that actually living in this time of, of, of coronavirus and social distancing, we find out how easy it is to not live the life we're trying to live now in the moment. Things can get messed up so easily. So many of us have FOMO, fear of missing out. And that just goes to show that so much of what we want to do, we feel like we're not getting to do. We have this fear we're missing out on something because we're all, Constantly think there's something else better going on and we need to be there to live fulfilled and and, and the coronavirus has Really if you think about it, it has probably taken and ruined many people's plans if, if you're without a job right now, that is an interruption to your plan. You can't live a fulfilled life without a job and uh, Like coronavirus has taken that from you. There's nothing you could have done to prevent that uh, You know uh, w- Whatever it is that you're trying to do coronavirus has probably disrupted that and, and you know, I think about like high school seniors. I, I remember seeing a video of these 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 poor high school girls. They they were going to play in the in the state basketball tournament, and it had to get canceled. And and like these girls had worked their whole high school careers to get to that moment, and it was taken from them. They didn't have nothing they could have done would have changed that. And so just think about the ways in which how difficult it is. To live that fulfilled life now, to get all of your dreams in, everything you want to do in the moment now, it's impossible to do. It can be taken from us so easily and we're living in a time where we're reminded of that. And so, I think this reminds us that we live in this constant state of grief, this unrealized one. Because we feel like everything needs is overweighted to the present now. I think that's what Paul's talking about here. Now, the reason he can say that, that he doesn't want the Thessalonians to, to be... Grieving like the rest of mankind is because he says you you don't want you to be uninformed. So he's saying that there's a key piece of information here that you don't have. There, there's a, there's a, you, you need to have this key piece of information to, to allow yourself to not grieve, to not have no hope. And that key piece of information we're going to see is that Jesus died and he rose again. So let's just talk about why that matters. The grief comes because of sin. We live in a world that is, 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 is dis- messed up in all sorts of ways. And that we feel the impacts of that in our lives. I believe coronavirus is here. The, the reason we live in a world that has this, all this natural evil is because of the effects of sin on the world. And we certainly are responsible for messing up our own lives and other people's lives in many, many, many ways through what the Bible calls sin. And so what Jesus does about that is he takes that sin on himself, he gets no justice, he lives an unfulfilled life for us, takes that on himself, dies untimely, is ripped apart, is quarantined in the grave for three days, and then bursts forth in resurrection, justice is secured, a fulfilled life is secured because of the power to bring death from life. And because we have that piece of information, Paul says, we're different. And so what he says in 1 Thessalonians 4.14 is that, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Jesus' resurrection secures for us a hope of a fulfilled life that doesn't need to take place now, because Jesus will bring a fulfilled life to earth in his resurrection when he returns, and we are raised with him. We are guaranteed a resurrection like his if we are in Him. That's what Paul is saying. And when you have that key piece of information, you do not need to feel the sort of grief that he talks about, that the rest of mankind feels. Now, this should lead them to hope, Paul says. And so today, on the most peculiar Easter perhaps you'll ever celebrate, I want to talk about what this hope entails, how it speaks to our unique Easter, and how you can have this hope if you don't. So, so I have three ways in which we see this hope taking place. The first is that, the resurrection is the sign that God has a design to, to what he's doing. So we, we see that it tells us that God, what he's working towards is a greater end than even what existed beforehand. Everything is trending in that direction. God intends to do for us and for creation what he did for Jesus. And the design that we see, because when we look back at the ultimate sign that God does is to bring life out of death. That's the design that we see. In that tomb, we may not have seen a design. The disciples of Jesus, the people who followed him, the people that loved him, may not have understood God's design. They may have felt the same uncertainty that we feel right now, the same being ripped apart from their loved one, even to the point of death. All things that we are experiencing in the moment right now, they did not see God had a design in that, but they didn't have to see it. They just had to trust God. And believe that God had a design to it, and we have the full information, right? We saw what God was doing, and when we look back at that moment, we can trust that even in the midst of similar scenarios now, God is working life out of death. And it's not just, it's not just a, an undoing. It is an undoing of it, but it, it, it's a better one, I think. A better world because it has known loss, because it has known despair, because it, it wasn't ignorant of its own failure. It understands that it is now a better version of itself. Uh, because it knows what it had, it had lost. Um, re, re, this week, it's on social media, there, there were videos going around of people watching Avengers Endgame for the first time in theaters. And, and people were, were recording the screen, and you could hear the reactions of people uh, in the movie at different parts. And if, if I'm spoiling the movie for you right now, I don't act, I'm not actually sorry about that because it's been out for like a year, okay? So, I'm sorry. Plus, I mean, it's a superhero movie. You know no one was staying dead, right? Let's just be honest. This is how they all go. But, but, but I, st- I remember being in the theater and watching these videos reminding me of it. There's a scene at the end of the movie where all these Avengers, all these people had died. They, they had their lives taken away from them. But the Avengers, the, re- the, the rest of the living Avengers go through all this pain and sacrifice, some of them even giving up their lives to bring back the ones who are dead. And there's this scene at the end where the dead, the dead Avengers come back to life all at the same time, and they, they are in the scene together, and you the music swells, and everyone starts cheering, and they charge to take on the enemy together. Now this resurrected group of people uh, rising to take on Thanos and his army together. And I still get goosebumps watching it. And I was reflecting on the fact that how that moment wouldn't have mattered like, if I hadn't seen all those people die in the first place, and I hadn't seen what the, the rest of those Avengers had gone through to bring the rest back to life. It just doesn't matter the same way. You, you don't see a certain type of, of courage, of sacrifice, and of love until you've seen what's been taken away and what someone is willing to do to go and make it so you can undo the effect of that. And Jesus is the one who shows us a, a love that we're not able to see without him dying on the cross for us. It's just a love we don't get to experience if there isn't loss and despair and anxiety and hopelessness. But we get to see it because of Jesus' sacrifice. And it means more. It matters more, I think, because we got to see the effects of that and what it took to undo it. And we, we get to see that firsthand. I think that's so cool. And that's actually why I, I, I love the way in which it plays out, actually. I'm okay. I'm more okay with the pain and the loss and the sorrow, because I see the greater love that God has for us. A God, a love that is willing to get dirty, get on its hands and knees, get in the muck, and give itself up to redeem those who are loved by him. And so that's what we get to see. And so this absolutely speaks to our situation with coronavirus. Okay, we, we know that this is trending in some direction, and right? we're seeing pain and suffering and hardship and loss, and we don't know what's going to happen. We're, it's like Jesus is in the tomb right now. We don't know what's going to come of it. But we can know, even if we don't see it in this lifetime, that God has a design to all of it, and that design is life after death. And We get to be firsthand witnesses of it. And I think that is so cool and something to uh, reflect on on this Easter morning specifically. Now the second reason we have hope here is because the resurrection is a powerful sign to the world to take Jesus seriously. So, uh, you might be watching this and maybe you're saying, this is all great, Joel. I'm following with you. I love Avengers 2. I totally get the analogy. You nailed it with that one. Um, But it's not something that I really take seriously or I feel like I can take seriously because I know how biology works. I know when something dies, it doesn't come back to life again. It's a cool idea, but I just don't, I just can't get my mind wrapped around it. You know, I know that dead things stay dead. And so, like here's my response to that. As a Christian, I'm like, dude, you're 100% right. Dead things don't come back to life, which is why this is such a big deal. This is why we celebrate this every single year. It's why we named our church this, because it's not supposed to happen. But we believe that it did. And we don't just believe it, okay? There are good reasons for believing this. And I think it's good for us to reflect on the real reasons that we can feel confident that this took place in history, because that gives us a certain sense of hope. It's not just you know, believing, a kind of, you know, striving, choosing a certain option to believe, even though we know it's probably not true. Like we have good, credible reasons to believe this. And I think it's good to reflect on that every year at Easter as well. So I just want to run through a few, offer a reason, few reasons to not shut yourself off if this is if this is you. And this is a watered-down version. If you have questions more about this, go ahead and throw them in the Q&A. And I'll do my best to answer them. This is actually something I can say has been really uh, an important part of my life is looking at the resurrection and feeling confident that it took place in history. That has actually helped my faith in, in enormous ways. Okay, so first of all, there are, there are three points at which basically no scholars, no historians, even non-Christian ones, even atheist ones agree on. That there was an empty tomb, that there were appearances to people who at least thought they saw Jesus, and the rise of Christianity because of a resurrection. Right? And if you just include in the list of possibilities, which many people don't, that maybe Jesus did actually rise again, when you really look at all the data, it actually comes across as the most compelling explanation for all three of those things, I think. I really think when you look at it objectively, and you believe that it's one of the options on the table, it has the most explanatory power, even though it's crazy, right? Even though dead, dead people are not supposed to come back to life. That's something the early Christians knew as well. Take this letter, the letter of 1 Thessalonians that we're sitting in uh, today as an example. Now, this book was written in uh, the 40s AD. No one really uh, questions this. And, and the book of 1 Corinthians is another example, another letter that Paul writes in, in the 50s AD. Um, these are letters where Paul brings up the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians, he actually specifically mentions people who um, are still alive to, at the time that he's writing the letter. Who, were, who saw Jesus when he was walking around again after he was raised, before he, he went off into heaven again. And so what he's doing is he's talking about something that happened in history, and he's saying, there are people still alive who you can go talk to and who can, like, uh, who can uh, invalidate my story if you want to. Like, you can go ask them yourself. Okay? These people were all still alive. So it's not like Paul's making something up well after the fact, he's actually talking about something that there are plenty of eyewitnesses around to believe in. Now, uh, um, the, 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 it's hard also to explain that a lot of these people who were alive, many of them were disciples or apostles who went out and were on the front lines of building the church. These are people who uh, were willing to go and to die for this belief. Now, if they were making it up, if they were trying to make some money or trying to start a cult or something like that, they probably wouldn't have done it to their death. Maybe one of them would have. Maybe one of them was just crazy and he was, like, willing to do that. But all of them, probably not, okay? That's just that's just a little bit of a stretch. Um, and, uh, and, and, like, it's hard to keep a secret among a group of people like that if you are making it up. It's just hard for... For, for 60 years after the fact for that to be kept under wraps. But it wasn't. No one, no one is, 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 uh, is going on about trying to... Uh, 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 um, we, we have no evidence that anyone in the early church was debating whether or not these people actually saw what they did. There's just none of that. There's, there's nothing that attests to that. Now, maybe you're saying, well, you know, hallucinations and stuff like that. Maybe ancient people weren't smart enough like us to know about hallucinations, and so they confused a vision that they had uh, with, with Jesus actually raising from the dead. And this is a textbook example of something that C.S. Lewis calls chronological snobbery, where we just think we're smarter because we live uh, further in, 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 down in history. Uh, in the ancient world, in the first century, people had words for ghosts, spirits, apparitions, dreams, hallucinations, all of that stuff. It was a common feature, and no one thought people came back from the dead. Remember I talked about a bleak view of the afterlife? that thought that justice uh, uh, had to take place in the present, it's because no one believed in resurrection. So when the apostles are talking about bodily resurrection, someone actually coming to life, they are very um, uh, specific in their language. They're not using words that mean other things. They know what they're talking about. And they were aware of things like hallucinations enough to the point where they could say, this is not what happened, you guys. This was actually him walking around um, in person. Plus, like, the idea of 50 people, the 50 people, or the, I think it's 500 people, actually, in 1 Corinthians that Paul talks about all having a group hallucination, LSD wasn't around then, okay? So, I don't think that that's what it was, okay? And, we, you know, it's just, it's just um, like, it, there's really good reasons to believe this, you guys. There's really good reasons to have hope and to feel firm in this. Okay, and so I want to encourage you with that today on a day where maybe you think this is just a religious thing, right? Maybe it's just a religious question because it's not. When we talk about this taking place in history, it's not just a religious belief that people have. We're talking about something that happened historically that mattered, that's as real as coronavirus is impacting our lives today. The same is true of Jesus rising from the dead. You can choose not to believe it if you want, but because it happened in history, it matters to us whether we believe that it does or not. All right, the third third thing I want to talk about, and this is kind of my last uh, thing of of hope that I want to talk about today, is the resurrection is a sign that new life is invading the present. Now, a lot of organizations, a lot of companies come up with vision state or mission statements that kind of talk about, here's what we're about, here's our core values, and here's the things that we kind of want to take place in all the stuff that we do, in our strategy, in our interactions, in our business dealings, whatever, this kind of defines it, it limits it, it kind of sets the parameters of it. Um, and it sets a culture, it sets a pattern that fuels everything that they do. It sets a, a pattern that, that is applied to um, what the what is expected of, of the workers, what is expected of the strategy, all of that stuff. You, you, a lot of you guys get this. And sometimes they can be kind of hokey and weird. I thought about getting some examples and I decided I decided not to, but I think you, you kind of get a, a sense for that. Um, Here's the thing about Christianity. The central event in Christianity is Jesus' death and his resurrection. Everything is centered on that moment, on those three days and what led up to it and what took place after it. Without that thing, you pull that part out, the whole thing falls apart. None of it makes sense without that actually happening. And so the resurrection of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, establishes a pattern that dictates all of Christian life. And the pattern, the mission statement of Christianity is life from death. Whether that's literal, when we're talking about Jesus being raised from the dead, and us having the hope of being raised from the dead someday. Mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, you name it. Even the most hopeless situations find new life breathed in them. And so, on the way to the capital R resurrection, the thing that we hope for, that, we, we, that makes us not fear death itself as Christians, along the way to that, there are many small R resurrections on the way. Okay? People who experience a sort of death in their life, who find, who find new life as Jesus comes in and breathes new life into their situation. Now, we believe in the power of that at, at our church so much so that, like I said, we actually called our church this. Like, we don't want to just celebrate this once a year. We want to celebrate it every single day as a church. And we, we want that. We, that matters so much to us that we called ourselves Resurrection City Church. And we want you to be people of that too. I, this, uh, let's, let, I mean, I want you to be Easter people every single day. I don't like it that sometimes Easter is like th- something we just celebrate one day a year because it should be, it should be something we celebrate every single day. Okay, and we should be looking for resurrections every single day, and that is the power of the resurrection that it fuels and sets a pattern for everything that we do in the church as Christians, and it sets a pattern for what we hope for and what we do now in the present in the middle of a pandemic. So, listen some of you may be watching this, maybe you're feeling right now like a tug on your heart to respond, maybe you feel death closing in and you feel like you're grieving and you have no hope right now and if that's you today is the perfect day to respond because I'm doing my best to give you this key piece of information that Paul is talking about to the Thessalonians that Jesus has died he has risen again we can have hope in that in the future and we have hope from that now in the present and there is hope for you too no matter what situation you're in life is possible even in the midst of death and this hope is offered liberally. It's not like toilet paper, okay? There's not a limited supply of it. Anyone can take this. And, and that includes you. So please take this. To have this hope, you could just call Jesus Lord. Just repent of your sin. Just believe of Him in, in Him as Savior. And see life and hope spring forth from death. Okay, so now we do we have any questions? All right, we have some questions, it sounds like. So I'm going to try to answer these uh, for you all. I think Julie's going to hop in and read it here through the magic of technology. Um, Okay, so one of the questions is, as we hear this truth of the gospel, how do we as Christians balance the urge to reach our unbelieving loved ones with the gospel and have patience and trust in God's timing? So as I'm understanding it, it's kind of a a question about that tension we feel. Mm -hmm. um, With death closing in, we feel this urgency to share the gospel with people. um, And yet we also know we have... That God's the one who does it, and we have to wait on His uh, timing. So, yeah. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. So, um, one of the one of the cool things about God playing. Okay. So, resurrection is a long game, right? We're waiting for uh, a hope to play out after our death, and uh, like we've been waiting at least two thousand years for this to take place, right? Um, God plays a long game that we just don't get. I- even think about the fact that. Um, Jesus uh, waited, he waited a full day. Like there are three days between his death and his resurrection. Uh, I don't know why he could have just, I don't know why Jesus, you know, he didn't die on the cross, why they didn't take him down and why he didn't just go, surprise, I'm still alive. You know what I mean? Or I'm back to life, I guess. I don't know why he didn't do that. He chose to wait a, a certain amount of time and it's at his prerogative. God moves at a pace that is not our own. He has a wisdom that we don't understand, but we can trust that he's working even in the midst of that. And I know that um, in sharing this good news with, with other people, we should feel an urgency to that. But we should also feel uh, a sort of um, hope and a trust that God works at a different pace than we do. I've heard stories about people who shared the gospel with friends. And then 30 years later, um, they finally hear from the friend that, Hey, you remember, that, remember what you were telling me um, before about the gospel? Yeah, it's finally clicked. Um, and God just works at a different pace than we do. So listen, it's good that you feel urgency, but you can also feel, I think, a comfort and a hope that when um, when we're sharing this good news, that like God is working in ways that you don't see. And just because the the message is not responded to right away, doesn't mean God's not working. Um, I actually think you can feel more comfort when you feel when maybe you feel what is rejection or dismissiveness towards the gospel. Instead, if if you just feel that urgency, like I got to get someone to believe this right now. Um, that can, uh, you can actually feel some comfort in the moment, because you can believe that God is working in ways that you don't know, because he has a long-term design to things, and yeah, we don't get it, and that's okay. That's actually perfectly fine, and that's a part of the pattern of the death and the resurrection that we celebrate on Easter weekend as well. Anything else? All right, it sounds like that's it. So, so normally we do communion on, on Sunday mornings. We've been doing that as a pattern. Um, each week. is uh, uh, something that we do at Red City every single Sunday as a reminder of Jesus's death and resurrection. But today, we're not celebrating it because Jesus has come back to life. Today, it is about his bursting forth from the grave. And so, we're not going to do it this week. Um, we're going to celebrate his new life and, and, and what that means for us today. And so, what I want to do is, is I want to close with a benediction. And I'm going to take this actually from First Thessalonians um, uh, the, the book that we were spending time in today. And then we'll close and, uh, you can go to the coffee hour. The, the link should be in the, the chat for both Facebook and YouTube. Um, and so that, that's what we'll do here to close. First Thessalonians 3, 11, 13. This is, this is our prayer for you this Easter Sunday. Now may our God and father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones, which will include us. We will, we will come with him as his holy ones, as his saints when he returns. That's our hope. That's what we look forward to on this Easter as we look back at Jesus' own resurrection. This is our resurrection day, everyone. Go in peace. We hope that you have a blessed Uh, Sunday as you celebrate Easter.